Welcome to the 905er podcast. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. In the run-up to the municipal election on October the 24th, we want to give our listeners the opportunity to hear directly from candidates in some of the most hotly contested and important races. Unfortunately, we simply can't cover every candidate in every race across the 905 region, but there are certain high-profile races where we hope to bring you interviews with the candidates who seem to us to be among the front runners. Today we're starting off with the race for Hamilton Mayor. One thing we already know is that the next Hamilton Council will be significantly different, with a group of the city's long-standing, in some cases notorious, councillors not seeking re-election. Not only is Mayor Fred Eisenberg gone, so is Terry Whitehead, Sam Marulla, Judy Partridge, Lloyd Ferguson and Russ Powers. Will Hamilton voters choose this moment to choose a fresh face for mayor to go with a renewed council? Or will they choose a mayor who, well, let's put it this way, would be a more traditional Hamilton choice? It seems fairly clear that there are three candidates in with a serious shout at the mayoral race. In the order that they announced their candidacies, they are... Keenan Loomis, Bob Bertina, and Andrea Horvath. We've invited all three to appear on the podcast. We haven't heard back from two of the candidates yet, but our invitation certainly still stands. And they certainly provide some contrast in background, resume, and personality. A former mayor and a member of Hamilton's old guard in Bob Bertina. A former leader of the provincial opposition who took her party from also-ran status to, arguably, a government-in-waiting in Andrea Horvath but who, in touting an endorsement by Sheila Copps last week, hardly gave an impression of a new and different type of politics. And finally, a former president and CEO of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce in Keenan Loomis. A fresh face, certainly, but does his lack of that old cliché name recognition pose the greatest challenge to his candidacy. But winning the award for being quick off the mark, both in registering as a mayoral candidate and also, just as importantly, in replying to our emails, and therefore appearing in our episode today, is Keenan Loomis. Keenan Loomis grew up in rural upstate New York, and he emigrated to Canada in 1986. After obtaining a degree in political science from Waterloo, he went on to get a law degree as well, and practiced law for three years in Washington, D.C., before returning to Canada with his Hamilton-born and bred wife and his two children. Back in Hamilton, Keenan served as President and CEO of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce for nine years, as well as serving as Chair of Supercrawl, Chair of the Governance and HR Committee of the Hamilton-Oshawa Port Authority, and contributing to numerous Hamilton-area organisations and causes. But before we get started, a very short piece of housekeeping. In our episode last Thursday, we mentioned Burlington's proposal to provide refunds for donations to municipal candidates in line with the refunds received for provincial and federal donations. I suggested that this proposal was both a good idea and, in fact, adopted by the city. I still think it's a good idea, but listener Nick Morrison emailed to remind me that the proposal was not, in fact, adopted by council. Uh, All I can say is that somewhere buried in my jaundiced soul there lies an optimist who still thinks Burlington Council might do a good thing quickly. Thanks, Nick, for the correction. Welcome, Keenan Loomis, to the 905er podcast. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today. 
Thanks for having me on, Roland. So uh, you're one of the with the the three real kind of prominent candidates who are running for uh, uh, mayor of Hamilton this year, and we already know now that it's it's going to be a change election. There's going to be a new mayor of Hamilton, um, and I guess we should start off with just you know what what made you decide to run, and and what <laughs> to put it in a more cheeky way, and what makes you think uh, you're the right man for the job. Okay, well, I get this a lot, so uh, it's a good place to start, I guess, as any. Um, So I've been Hamilton's voice of business for the last 10 years as the president and CEO of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. And, uh, you know, we have accomplished a lot as a city over the last decade. It's uh, quite amazing. In fact, when you you think about it, we just uh, had um, Supercrawl this past weekend, and I was at the very first Supercrawl, and it was about uh, the same time that I uh, had moved to Hamilton, which is my wife's hometown, and um, and really the trajectory of Hamilton has has gone along in, in parallel with the trajectory of that incredible event um, that now happens in downtown Hamilton. And um, so it uh, it's been amazing, you know, the, the the progress that we've made. It's it's been you know with us, um, you know, as again as the voice of business, working with the not for profit community, working with the businesses, working with the leadership community. Uh, working with the institutions in this town, we have accomplished a lot. And in all of it, or it seems uh, nearly all of it has been in spite of our leadership at City Hall. And so, you know, there was only so much I could do and until I got to a, a breaking point, point where I decided that I, I needed to step up and be the change that we needed to see here in Hamilton. And there's been a lot of things that have happened over the last four years that, you know, you'll recall um, maybe... That, some of the folks that uh, haven't aren't familiar with Hamilton, um, there there was a major incident at uh, Pride 2019, and a few months after that, uh, we we um, uh, it was the spec broke that the Hamilton Spectator broke the news that uh, we had been leaking sewage into Coots Paradise for five years, and the city knew for at least a couple of years and uh, did not say anything to the residents of Hamilton. And it was sort of those things that uh, that started to pile up very early on in this term that's about to finish up where I, they just, you know, in my mind, I, I, I said, I, I really, I've had enough. Um, and it's hard for me as a leader in this community um, to, to sit back and, and watch things to continue, uh, watch things continue to evolve as they have. And so um, just got to that point where if, if you know, if, if things are looking good in 2021, early 2022, I think I'm going to make the leap. And uh, I decided that uh, in June, uh, January, I'm sorry, I stepped down from the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce, announced that I was going to be running for mayor. And I filed my nomination papers on May 2nd. And I truly believe if you look at my track record over the last 10 years, here in this town that, um, you know, I, I can do a better job than what's been done. And, and I know that if you look at my competitors, I can do a better job than them than they as well. Um, and it's not just, it's not about me, um, you know, uh, particularly it's, it's about the team that I've always built around me and the people that I've put around me as well. And so what I'm finding um, is that, you know, the, the, the sense of change that I intuited that I have is shared by tens of thousands of, of other Hamiltonians, almost pretty much unanimously, um, really, when we go about the city. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, a sense that a, a new generation needs to take over and that the city is evolving and City Hall in Hamilton has to evolve with it. Now, when you spoke about the, you know, the, the, the prominent, 
you know, really prominent problems. And we didn't even talk about the Red Hill Valley uh, uh, issue. <laughs> I'll throw that into the mix for you. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the pride and the sewage are plenty before we get onto that one. Um, do you think that's, you know, is that at the doorstep of um, of a mayor? I mean, it, it, can a mayor change that? Or is, is that, um, you know, as much about the kind of culture that exists with with um, the senior staff at, at, at City Hall? Um, you know, the way our system works is, is you know, mayors are, are kind of chairman of the board and, and not um, the, the CEO, if you like. Um, I mean, how, how do you deal with, I mean, do, do you accept that point or, or uh, how, and how would you deal with that kind of problem? Well, I, I do, but the chair of the board is a pretty important position <laughs> for an organization. I mean, if, if the mayor can't impact, you know, the culture in that organization, uh, that is the corporation of the city of Hamilton, then, you know, what, what are they doing? You know, that's, that's really the point. And the, the, the point is that, you know, that, so obviously what happens in the mayor's office really matters, but what happens in the mayor's office matters in particular uh, around the, that horseshoe uh, that is city council. And yeah, the mayor might be one of 16 uh, people and one of 16 votes, but the mayor really does to me sets, sets the tone. Uh, it is the, the person that is elected by all of Hamilton. Um, and uh, it, the, the mayor is the person that all of council and all the city really look to for, for guidance um, and to set the right tone. And so I think that in particular this year, when we have at least six new faces on council plus a new mayor, so we're going to have at least seven new faces uh, sitting around that, uh, that table, then we have an incredible opportunity that Hamilton perhaps has never had uh, in its entire history to change the culture, change the tone, and to not um, uh, create the type of conditions that cause the the leadership in the city. And so the you know the public servants that um, have done you know in some cases yeah they could they could do better, but um, in a lot of cases what they're reacting to is always what they think that the the reaction that they're going to get on council. Um, and so you have a lot of people that, uh, as a result, do not uh, stick their necks out. Um, you see reports that are, are buried as a result because of the concern of, of what the reaction is going to be in City Hall so I, 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 or at Council. So I think that um, for sure, the, the, the board of directors of that organization led by the, the, the chair, um, that is the mayor, that is where the tone is set. Um, and we need to hold uh, not only ourselves accountable as a, as a board of directors, but then, of course, uh, the senior leadership and then on down through the, the rest of the community as well. So, like I said, if, if they don't control the, cal the, the culture, then why are we even bothering doing this, right? Why are we even bothering leading this $2 billion corporation that is the city of Hamilton? So, I mean... I'm sure if you know if your if your competitors were were on the line now that uh, I'm going to predict that the probably the thing they would they would raise uh, as you know, why they would should be chosen and not you would be the big E word which is experience and that they've both you know served at other levels of um, other levels of government both federally provincially and also obviously Bob Bratina has been mayor of Hamilton before Andrew Horvath was was leader of one of the one of the mate well, the leader of the opposition um, I mean how do you how do you tackle that I mean it's all very well to say well I've I've been at the uh, the Chamber of Commerce 
um, not quite the same as as being um, as that kind of track record of of of, of elected uh, service as as a public servant. Sure, if if years in in, in public service um, equate to you know um, I guess uh, experience or years as a politician um, equate to experience, then then fine. But you know, there's there's many other ways to serve one's community and. Um, as the the head of the chamber, as the voice of business in Hamilton, I've been on, I can't even count the number of committees uh, in City Hall. Um, I very much understand the processes. I very much understand the players in the that building and um, in the community as well, all the leaders that uh, that really are um, the, the folks that uh, keep this city moving on a daily basis. And I can I can say that over the last 10 years, uh, among the three of us, nobody has provided more service to our community. Nobody has done more to to bring the renewal of the city along. Um, and, and nobody's done more to advocate for the LRT project, for example, and so many other things. Um, so, you know, that is the type of stuff, obviously, that I, I I plan on doing what I did at the Chamber of Commerce, which was transform this 100 and now 76, 77 year old institution into a modern, um, uh, very relevant institution. And if I can accomplish what I did at the Chamber in the mayor's office, the city will be much better off, and we'll be able to to really meet the the the, the challenges that we have as a community and take advantage of the great opportunities that we have as well. My competitors have not been in, you know, have not been serving uh, in Hamilton uh, for the last decade. Uh, and they've been, well, in, in one case, been living elsewhere um, or, or just really not um, relevant at all to what's happening here in the city in a, uh, on a daily basis. I understand the issues far better than they do. Okay. So, I mean, and, and as, you know, I mean, full disclosure here, I'm, I'm a member uh, through my business of, of a branch of the Chamber of Commerce. So I guess I'm a member of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce as a whole. Um, but, you know, the Chamber of Commerce has not been, you know, they will say Hamilton's a blue collar town, right? Um, and uh, the Chamber of Commerce has, you know, been on the record over the years as, as uh, pretty much always opposing increases in minimum wage, uh, obviously being on the side of business. That's why why the Chamber of Commerce exists. This. How how do you now sort of position yourself as as a progressive voice, um, which which is, seems to be very much the 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 angle you're going for, I guess. Um, you know, how, how do you say, well, you know, okay, I opposed uh, wage increases for for for, for low income people a couple of years ago, but now I'm on their side. I mean, how how do you square that circle? Well, so one of the things is, you know, you you have to understand what I inherited at the Chamber of Commerce. It was very much, you know, your your grandfather's. Uh, institution. And so, as I said, we made it a, a, a very uh, relevant and modern institution that has greatly contributed to the progress that we have seen in the city. And I am very proud of the fact that as I left the organization earlier this year, um, that the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce was perhaps the most progressive Chamber of Commerce in the entire nation. And in, in very well known for our advocacy for you know transit, for example, uh, for universal basic income pilot um, as well, and you know for for the retail sale of, of cannabis in uh, this community when it seems like you know there there was a knee jerk reaction um, against you know embracing this this new industry, uh, complete streets and downtown renewal and and all of these things that you know, might not traditionally be associated with a chamber of commerce. 
When it comes specifically to um, to uh, the the bill, I can't remember. Was it Bill One Sixty Eight? Was that the the one that, that sounds that, familiar? Uh, <laughs> that see, the thing is, we were talking so so many years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, in particular, we have to remember that what the politics were at that um, moment. You know, Kathleen was trying to secure another term, and so. Um, basically, what she had done, and, and the Chamber Network actually uh, has supported for years uh, increases in the minimum wage tied to uh, inflation, and has implored the, the government to do that, and the, the, the Liberal government failed to do that, and then right before an election decides that they're going to raise the minimum wage by uh, an incredible amount, I think it was, it was 30% in 18 months, on the backs of you know, the, the business community here in Ontario. And so it wasn't just the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. It wasn't just the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and the entire network. It was all uh, many other business associations that came together um, and, and rose up against that. And just because it was it was too fast, too soon, and we much would, we, we would have much rather have um, had incremental increases to the minimum wage uh, and that would have been uh, gotten us to where we are now. So, um, you know, again, context is obviously uh, really matters. Um, nuance is dead uh, in 2022, however. But obviously, you know, bottom line is, uh, as you uh, alluded to, I was representing the interests of our uh, association and the folks that were um, aligned behind uh, that, uh, that uh, pushback against the, the provincial government, which was just so nakedly political. And, um, and so as a result, you know, I'm now in a different position. I'm running to represent uh, 570,000 Hamiltonians, not a thousand businesses that employ 75,000 people in this community. And would, would you still oppose, so you, by the sound of it, you would still oppose that, that increase now though, if that, you know, well, you know, in the hypothetical if, situation, it came forward today. If it was 30, yeah, 30% in 18 months, I, I think that, you know, if you, if you speak to the businesses, you know, yes, they would, they would say that that's far too much, uh, too soon, um, especially as we're coming out of a pandemic. Um, but, you know, we did not stand in the way of, of the incremental increases that, uh, have actually been enacted by the provincial government uh, over the last number of years because they have been far more incremental. Um, and you know, look, we understand that people are hurting. Uh, affordability is a big issue, and so um, I, I would not stand in the way of raises to the the minimum wage. In fact, you know, we're we're calling on. I'm I'm supporting um, a, a living wage for uh, city employees, um, putting aside seasonal work, but. Um, I think that's uh, something that's really important. I was a, a, a living wage employer uh, at the Chamber of Commerce, and I think that's really important that we do that as a, as a city as well. Okay, so let's let's talk about your your kind of vision for the city, if you like. I mean, one of the things that I know Joel and I have kind of, and we're not picking on Hamilton here, but we've kind of been critical of this across the board in, a, in the races across the province, is that... Um, and I will say in all fairness, I mean, you were out the gate first in terms of your campaign. I've had your kind of policies up on your website for quite a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I believe Andrea Horvath has kind of announced hers today, I think, mm-hmm. earlier today. Um, uh, you know, what is what is your vision, if you like? What what do you think? Well, let's put it another way. What what are the main challenges for Hamilton over over the next four years? Uh, and what do you what would you see as your kind of the toughest cookie to kind of uh, uh, deal with if, if you were elected. Yeah, well, we already uh, talked about it. Um, culture change at City Hall is first and foremost on my mind. I always say if you can't 
if you don't have a healthy culture within the organization, it's hard to do anything else right, right? And, and again, we have so many challenges, so many opportunities. What we need to do first and foremost is restore truth, trust, and transparency in, in City Hall. And as I said, we have a tremendous opportunity with at least seven new faces around the, the council table this year. So I think that very immediately you'll see a, a major shift and then, you know, then, then very gradually do we continue to, you know, improve the culture of that organization down through the, the rest of uh, the organization. Um, you know, obviously uh, affordability and homelessness uh, are, are big issues at this point in time. We just announced a plan to build uh, 50,000 new homes in Hamilton over the next 10 years. Uh, and uh, create 5,000 new jobs in Hamilton over the next five years because you know you got to have jobs for all those uh, new folks that are coming into the city. Uh, and the the supply of housing is one of the biggest drivers of unaffordability. Um, and part of that at 50,000 is working with affordable housing providers. Um, it, it's also encouraging um, uh, the creation of in-law suites and really being able to facilitate that as a community. And I think that you know, in through that process, um, we'll be able to find a lot more homes for for folks and, and really make a dent in um, in the affordability uh, crisis. One of the other things that um, obviously uh, that is going to be facing us as a community is building LRT uh, and building uh, what will be a complex transit system in a fairly, um, you know, archaic, uh, uh, you know, uh, downtown. Um, you know, so there's going to be a lot of challenges uh, related to that, but um, just because it's going to be uh, a little inconvenient doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't make it the reason to not do this, right? It's really important to the future of this community and to our jobs plan and our, our housing plan and, and all that as well. Um, and so, you know, you talk about what I'm focused on and yes, it's a lot of really short-term stuff and, and, and stuff that we need to immediately address, but ultimately, what I'm looking to bring to the table is that business voice, is that that governance perspective. I'm, I'm also, you know, a, a board member at the um, at the Hamilton Oshawa Port Authority, and and so I bring that experience to this as again, as you mentioned, the uh, mayor being the chair of the board of directors, and we very much have to be focused beyond the next election cycle and beyond the next election cycle after that and the next election cycle after that, and, and really focus in, and this is where the province is, is, is helping us, the, the province is saying to all communities in, in Ontario, plan to be that city of uh, in 2050, and in Hamilton's case, the city of 800,000 people in 2050, so we're 570, 580,000 right now. So how are we going to get there? And what are the decisions that we need to make right now to get us ultimately there? And 2050 is you know, when my children are gonna be in their 20s and in the, their 30s. And I'm always very focused on where are they gonna live because I want them out of my house eventually. And I think all of us as parents you know, wonder how the heck are our kids going to be able to afford to, to, to live on their own? Um, which means of course that they, as well that they need uh, good jobs. Um, and, I, and I think about how they're going to be interacting with and moving about their city in 2050. And that means that, you know, we need to build Beeline LRT, but we need to be planning for the next project while we build Beeline LRT so that we're ready to go uh, and start uh, building that once Beeline LRT is done and so on and so forth. So we get through that 25 year transit strategy that sees us build five transit lines across the city. And lo and behold, that lands us in, in 2050. And I think um, allows us to be that that city of 800,000. So that's where I'm not, I, I don't wear the, 
I guess by definition, I am now a politician. I don't wear that lightly. I, I cringe when people say that, um, but that's where I'm different. And I'm, I'm not you know, your typical politician who's just focused on, on being reelected. I'm looking to bring real leadership uh, to the city, the leadership that the city has been thirsting for, um, and the, the type of leadership that really makes a difference in the lives of Hamiltonians uh, now and in 2050. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, you know, certainly just about any politician running running for office at any level will will say the leadership word, you know, strong leadership. It's kind of like the two words you start off with uh, because everybody expects to hear them, right? Um, you know, what what does that mean? What what does strong leader actually mean? I mean, does 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 is that a kind of you can expect uh, uh, obedience and loyalty from your councillors? Are you going to? I mean, is it? Is it my way or the highway? I mean, obviously, I'm putting those in strong terms. and I know you're going to say no when I say my way or the highway. <laughs> but, um, you know, traditionally, we think of politics in a very top-down way. And I'm thinking of things like, you know, we have all these advisory keys. Something that I've always been very keen on is is improving citizen, you know, what's called citizen engagement, which is one of those phrases that gets bandied around. And most people don't really know what it means other than it's a buzzword that you can put on a leaflet. Um, how do you... You know, how do you, as, as kind of the lowest level of government in this area, uh, empower the people of Hamilton to play a more positive role, maybe, in, in, uh, in how, how the city makes its decisions? It, it might be the lowest level, but it's the most important level, uh, certainly, to... Uh, oh, I'd agree there. I would completely the, agree the, there. The yeah. citizens of uh, this community, because we interact with the city um, in almost every way. Um, and um, so... It's, for me, this is one of the, the amazing things that I have experienced as I began uh, running um, was, you know, reaching out to various communities and not just, you know, demographic communities, but communities around um, the, the center of the city as well. And, you know, folks who don't know Hamilton um, well um, might not realize just how big it is as a city, you know, double, I think, the, the, the land mass as Toronto. Um, and yet 70% of the city is rural uh, and is farmland. Um, and so we have all of these various communities that um, still suffer uh, from a little bit of a hangover from amalgamation in um, the early 2000s. And though that's fading, um, what they still are telling us, whether you know, it's the, you know, the LGBTQ community or the black community or the indigenous community or the Pakistani community or the community of Binbrook or the community of Dundas or, or, or Stony Creek or what have you, they do not feel heard by or, or, or connected to their city. So what we are doing is uh, uh, very importantly, um, you know, we, we need to reimagine how we use that committee structure um, I've talked to so many folks from, for example, the, the senior advisor committee or the indigenous circle um, that, you know, they've they been asked by the city to come and play a role, but they're, they're not being listened to. So you've got your experts right there. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're pointing them as experts and you're not even listening to them, let alone the, the broader communities that they represent. Um, and so one of the things we, we did uh, announce is a town hall tour. And so I promised to do a town hall in every single ward across the city in my first year. So all 15 wards in conjunction with that counselor. And that's a good way of you know, building rapport with uh, you know, that counselor as well. Um, and, and really identifying the issues in each of those communities that uh, the, the folks there are, are focused on. 
And so, you know, in the lead up to the election, we're demonstrating that commitment by doing a town hall tour across the across Hamilton. Um, so on Wednesday, uh, as we open up our new office in Stony Creek, we're doing our Stony Creek town hall. And, you know, then we're going out to Dundas, Ancaster, Binbrook. Uh, we're doing one in the mountain and one in the lower city and, you know, trying to get in as many other types of engagements uh, as I can uh, between the election. And it's been absolutely amazing the, the type of response that we have gotten, whether I show up to the, the Trieste Bocce Club tournament, uh, as I did yesterday, or uh, a Filipino stag and doe on, on Saturday night, or super crawl, or, or you know, like I said, this town hall that we're having in Stony Creek, um, people are just uh, really happy that a somebody showed up, and b that they're listening, and then ultimately we're going to take those relationships that we're building uh, in the lead up to the election, through the election, and really have, as I said, um, a, a completely new culture uh, of of uh, of engagement and of, of progress and, and really focusing on, you know, getting rid of all of the negative energy and the, 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 the time that we're wasting on dealing with bully counselors and focused on our um, meeting our challenges and our opportunities together as a community. And I think that, um, you know, people are really excited about that and we're getting a lot of traction for sure. And it is, I mean, of all the things, I mean, I'm new Hamiltonian. I, I was uh, lived the, most of the previous 10 years in Burlington and arrived in Hamilton at, well literally about 12 months ago. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and actually, I've really enjoyed uh, the experience of moving to a different kind of city. No no yeah. disrespect whatsoever to, to Burlington. Um, it's just Hamilton and Burlington are very different places. And I don't think anybody would doubt that. <laughs> no. Hamilton is such an amazing place. It really, really is. I, I absolutely love it. It's got... All the good bones. I think it's this location, and you know, it's one of the most beautiful locations that is available in Ontario. And I agree. Uh, but yeah, the one thing that, that has struck me is is that you mentioned the hangover from amalgamation, which is good as me a long time ago. Um, but that seems to have been very much um, the core of many of the things. And I mean, the, the whole LRT debate, which hopefully is over, is crossed. Um, <laughs> uh, seemed uh, really about you know. People who don't live in, in, in downtown Hamilton, who don't come to downtown Hamilton very much, who aren't even that happy about being considered part of Hamilton, going, well, why the... I don't care. I don't want money spent on this thing that I'm never going to use. Um, and then kind of outnumbering downtown Hamiltonians who are like, you know, we need this desperate. Mm -hmm. how, how do you think you can, you can overcome that, that, that division? Because it seems to me that it's still very much a thing. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how this election shakes down, I think, because to extent because of that, because the kind of suburban Hamilton or suburban and rural Hamilton are still feel so kind of divorced from the, from the, from the whole. Yeah. I think that's fading. I, I think that that's just a function of, uh, of time, uh, you know, on the one hand. And on the other hand, I think that people are really, truly um, amazed by the progress that the city has achieved over the last 10 years. And I think that people are much more willing to, uh, to come downtown, to, to eat, to go to Supercall, um, to take, you know, advantage of shows or, or culture or arts or what have you. Um, there's I think most people want to be associated with a, a thriving, um, you know, center of their city. And, you know, the, there was this feeling like people's taxes went up hugely in a matter of like overnight, right. When amalgamation happened. And, and so there was this resentment that 
you know, we're, all of this money is going into downtown. But what I have found is that, you know, especially when it comes to LRT, for example, um, which I've been advocating for for uh, well over a decade, um, that if I can explain to them why this investment is important, um, and not just for the downtown, but for the entire city, how it's unlocked this uh, amazing uh, amount of development. Uh, you can see the cranes right now, and the LRT hasn't even started yet, but you know, you talk to those developers and they will tell you the reason why they are investing in downtown Hamilton is because of the LRT. If you help them understand, especially after Sewergate, um, how it's important to our underground infrastructure as well, you know, in this aged um, corridor, 14 kilometer corridor, we are going to have entirely new infrastructure all along the way. Um, and how, you know, right now, the, the B-Line uh, bus, uh, or maybe not right now, but before COVID, um, the B-Line bus had the ridership necessary to carry, uh, to justify that project. And again, you unlock the development. And so it further feeds the, the business case. And then the fact that this is just one of, you know, five transit lines that are planned uh, across Hamilton over the next 25 years is the 25-year transit strategy. It's called BLAST. Um, and so this is the first one because, again, the ridership exists there, but this is going to completely reorient and be the spine for that, that future transit system that will allow us to be that city of 800,000 people and that, you know, that will reach into every corner of this community. Now, people get that, you know, and, and they understand the need for this type of investment. And so that's been the thing where I don't feel like our current leadership has really sold it in that way. And I, as I say, if I can find, spend five minutes with your average Hamiltonian who will never come downtown or will never use it and, and explain all of that, uh, for the most part, they get it um, and they start to, to come along. They're, they're, you know, if you fill in people's vision uh, for them, because not many people you know, have that ability to, to see uh, beyond the horizon, uh, then people start to get really excited about that and they'll support it. And, um, they'll say, okay, when, well, when, when's, which, which line will reach into my community? Because let's get to work on that uh, as well. So, um, and then it, as well, I, you know, I, I talked to a lot of older people um, and they, oh, this is going to be, but then if you say, but, but this is, okay, this is not for you, right? And it's not, but this is for your kids and your grandkids and the next generation after that. Um, and people start to, to really get it. They come around and for the most part, uh, we're able to reach consensus. So we've got to a point where, you know, you even see uh, Bob Bertina, who has done everything he can to, to, to stick a, put a stick in the spokes of LRT. Um, even he has accepted that uh, it's coming. It, uh, I don't trust that, you know, he still won't try um, to, to undermine it every possible step along the way. But you know, he, he gets it now, apparently, as well. And most people do. Most people just want to build this thing and move on. So we're drawing to the, uh, the close of our, our time, I see here. Um, but so I'll finish off with, with a couple of questions, uh, a kind of tough question and hopefully a less tough, more okay. fun question. Um, the tough question being, I guess, the, the single worst thing about a municipal election, which is the name recognition. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to me there are three credible candidates in this race. Um, and you're... Unfortunately, the one with, with who's, who lacks the, the 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 name recognition of the other two, and you know, one of them, you know, one's been around mayor before. One of them's had all the publicity that comes with being a leader of the opposition. How do you overcome uh, 
that problem um, and it's kind of turn the tables, I guess, on, on the traditional way that, that, that municipal elections work. Who's the most famous? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, although I'm finding that name recognition also works the other way um, sure. if you're yeah. not liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting that a lot. Um, anybody but, you know, fill in the blank and uh, they, they've arrived at us um, and, uh, and our exciting platform and, and our promise for change. Um, but really, to me, it's just been about uh, about earning people's votes uh, and being out there. As I said, I I was all in from January when I announced that I was run, uh, stepping down from the chamber to run for mayor. I've been all in ever since. I filed on the very first day. I have been everywhere in this community to every event, to every neighborhood, um, and it has been and to a whole lot of doors. Uh, it's it's just been absolutely incredible, and that's that's how you do it, right? You introduce yourself to the voters in person, and and not assume that you're just going to be skating by on name recognition, not taking the voters for granted, putting in the work, and people are seeing that. And um, I will, uh, I I I I know that we are surging, uh, so we're definitely closing the gap, um, and we will. Ultimately, and the only poll that matters is, is is election day, and I think we're in a really good position. So um, it's it's really just about hard work, and and you know this is the type of town that rewards hard work, that you know appreciates an underdog, and uh, and and sees when when people are working really hard uh, to earn their favor. So um, that's that's been how we've been doing it, and uh, the feedback that we've been getting is amazing. So and I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, my, my final question, my, my, my more fun question, maybe, um, uh, I'm going to divide into two parts, actually, which is, which is first of all, um, you know, independent of, of which candidate anybody listening might, might favor or vote for, I think getting involved in elections is, is uh, you know, we, we, we talk, we say that politicians won't listen to us, and then we never make the effort to go and speak to them. Um, and, you know, the, the, the simple matter, the fact of the matter is that you might love to go to every single door in Hamilton between now and the end of October, middle of October, but you can't do that. It's physically impossible. And, and the division between, uh, uh, you know, people say politicians don't listen. It's like the one thing they do do is listen. Uh, sometimes they listen too much. <laughs> uh how would you encourage someone who's thinking, you know what, this is an important election. I want to get involved in a campaign. Uh, why, why, um, what would you say to them to sort of encourage them to come out and get involved in a campaign? Uh, and what, what could they get out of it? And sort of part B of that question is really just from the one that, I mean, I loved, I was a candidate four years ago uh, and I was surprised how much I absolutely loved knocking on doors and meeting people. It was the most endlessly entertaining thing i mean i i met someone who'd been married to one of the pilots on the dam busters planes i met just incredible people day in day out i mean funny people angry people you know just all sorts what's your kind of most surprising yeah. or funniest kind of thing that's happened to you so far as you've been knocking on doors and that's my b part to that final question number one if, if somebody wants to get involved, do it. Like it, you will, you will be rewarded because you get the opportunity to go to doors or if, you know, if you, if that's not your thing, um, we have a lot of folks uh, helping out with, uh, at festivals, um, a, a lot of folks helping out behind the scenes, um, as well. And you build a lot of uh, camaraderie uh, through this, you know, trial by fire. And we have over 200 volunteers now, which is amazing. 
Um, and, and so many folks who have told me that they've never been involved before, but they just couldn't help but be inspired by you know, the, the change that I'm trying to represent here. And so they finally got off their, their, you know, their, their seats and, and decided to participate. And they have been so rewarded in the process. So I would say definitely do that because as you said, you'll, you'll, have, you'll be amazed doesn't take long to really get comfortable going door to door. Um, and I was reticent to do it. I've actually never been involved in a campaign myself either. Um, and I was reticent to do it. And, and yet, you know, you just, you just keep knocking and, and then ultimately you, you, you have your, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a, of a track that, you know, that you, you say at every door, but then as you're right, as, as people will challenge you or, or, uh, or tell you funny stories or, or what have you, um, you really get into you know much more uh, rich uh, conversations with folks that are ultimately your neighbors, and so um, I'm I'm an introvert actually, uh, so it, it's a lot to for me to really like push myself to to be out there, and now I'm out there and fully, and you know now I'm like hey look at me I'm you know I'm, I'm attention starved <laughs> now <laughs> almost I don't know what's going to happen after the election, um, but. It's um, it it is it is so absolutely rewarding, and I would say the the thing that has been most amazing to me is the number of people that, um, especially seniors, uh, who are telling me that they're voting for me because we need uh, fresh faces and we need new generational leadership in this community. And I really did think that ultimately, you know, because they have been so comfortable with perhaps my, my competitors are, are so familiar with them over the last number of decades that they were going to settle on one of them. But what I hear, again, I was at Trieste uh, Bocce Club yesterday and all 200 of, uh, of those folks there, primarily Italian, but definitely older, um, said they were, they were voting for me and re were really excited about uh, my candidacy. And that has just been so heartwarming. I've done retirement homes. I've done, I'm, I'm, I'm now, I, as you, as you said, like I, I've almost gotten addicted to it. Um, and it's been absolutely amazing. And like I said, the most surprising thing is the seniors who are saying that, you know, they're, I'm going with the kid and you know, they point to me and I'm like, well, I guess, <laughs> well that's, I guess that's, that's, me. that's certainly nice. <laughs> yeah, I'll it? take it at 47. I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Keenan Lumis, thanks so much. We we wish you uh, we wish you all the best with your with your campaign, and um, uh, we really appreciate every uh, candidate who, who joins us on the podcast and uh, and takes the time to uh, to speak to our listeners. Uh, we really thank you for that. And um, uh, as we would wish all candidates, we wish you all the best with the campaign and uh, uh, have fun between now and the uh, end election. Thanks, Roland. I've had so much fun. I can't wait. It's it is going to be super intense. But I will never regret doing this. It's, it's been such a thrilling experience and, and so rewarding. So regardless of the outcome, uh, this, this has been amazing. Thank All you. Right, be well. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. 
Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. This is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.